Hello and welcome to this special episode of Being Parental. This is episode number five and I'm going to be having a, a conversation with my friend Popla. I met Popla in London and he recently became a dad nine months ago. And I'm going to talk to him about living in London, what got him there and how it's been being a dad in London under this lockdown, among other things. And as usual, if you're a bit squirmish about what you want to listen to in terms of kink content, this might not be the episode for you because we will be talking about sexual related stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today on this episode of the podcast, I am going to have a conversation with someone who already has a beautiful kid. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you very much. Would you make a, just a small introduction of yourself? Uh, yes, so I'm a young daddy, uh, 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 a young papa. <laughs> I have a son that is nine months and a bit. So he has been officially out of his mommy longer than he has been in his mommy, <laughs> uh, which is a bit weird. But, um, I come, uh, as you can hear, I have a little French accent. I come from an island next to Australia. So I'm pretty much the French version of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> uh, I like to call myself Crocodile Denis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Uh, I'm. Uh, uh, um, and you live in London now, right? Yeah, I live in London. Uh, uh, so we just move a bit on the outskirts of London uh, uh, in a in a small flat in the countryside before we knew we were going to have a baby. So we are a bit struggling with space at the moment. Uh, and when you say we, who is who? Who is you guys? So it's uh, me and my lovely, uh, my lovely wife, uh, Sophie. And you have, how long have you been in London? Um, about six years now. Uh, if I, yeah, six years. I've been uh, I've been living here as uh, oof. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no worries. So I, I moved here uh, after. Um, uh, sorry, I'm stalling a bit. I'm, I'm going to come back with you in a second. Uh, no worries. There, there's cats moving all around me. They try to enter uh, uh, the different room and they, they frazzle me a bit. So, um, yeah, I moved to London about six years ago. Uh, I was running away from. Uh, uh, terrible relationship in my island and there was uh, nowhere better than uh, halfway across the world to to feel a bit uh, uh, more independent and settled from all of that yeah and what what made you choose london and not berlin or copenhagen or paris the, a, a couple of years before I came uh, I, I had visited london because i had a mate from back home that was living here and I wanted to visit Ireland, and the the best way to to go to Ireland was to pass by London. And when we come in in London, I, I just love the the I love the the city so much. Compared to where I, I live, it felt like such a a big, open, welcoming city. Uh, uh, in a small island, everybody can get religion really, really quickly. I have long hair, tattoos, beards, and whatnot. Uh, not exactly the 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 the, the picture of uh, 
the, the, the perfect uh, dad <laughs> that you could imagine. Uh, but, um, but it doesn't mean anything at all here. Yeah. It's something I really loved about London is that uh, what you listen to, what you look like, what you like to eat doesn't really have an impact uh, or, uh, with most of the people. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I felt the same. I, I spent some time in New York and I felt the same when I was living in London. And I think it's because when there's so many people, you kind of blend in so you can be whoever you want to be. And it's not really going to make a difference. Like you're, you're never going to be the weirdest guy in the city. When I was walking around in London, I saw a guy only wearing a bathrobe. Nice. So no matter what I was, no matter what I was wearing, how long my beard was, how many weird tattoos I had, I would never be the weirdest one. So it kind of gave me a freedom to be the most me that I could be. My mom uh, used to say uh, uh, back home that uh, you couldn't fart without all the island knowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm from a very small city in Denmark with, depending on how you count it, but like 60 to 100,000 people in the municipality. And it's also a very small city. But luckily, I think with the, over the last five years, people have become a lot more free or I've become a lot more indifferent. Maybe I don't think so much about it anymore because I've been kind of used to not giving a shit anymore. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you point that out because uh, 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 from time to time I feel like uh, the world has opened massively the uh, understanding about uh, sexuality, about uh, gender, but is coming to to the pinnacle of mankind. And then uh, I see uh, people voting and I'm like, oh, maybe it's just my bubble that is really good and really, really uh, uh, relaxed, uh, really welcoming. Some time ago, I was thinking about how this, you know, you, you mentioned the social bubbles that, we're, mm -hmm. that we all live or breathe in, live and or breathe in. And sometimes I think it's amazing that we have social uh, medias like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and whatnot so we can connect with everybody all around the world. But it's also just a bunch of unnecessary noise sometimes. I don't need to know exactly what everybody's thinking about everything all the time. Sometimes I just need to be in a room with friends I get along with and just to feel great. So I kind of, I kind of stopped engaging in political debates on Facebook because I knew I'm never going to convince anyone that I'm right. Like if that's going to happen, it's not going to be on Facebook. It's not going to be in a, in a common threat to some article the Danish newspaper put out on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to realize that, uh, I will not be able to convince anybody no matter how sharp my arguments or <laughs> exactly. You can be the sharpest in the room, but who was somebody who once said, don't argue with an idiot. He's going to, he's going to drag you down to his level and beat you with experience. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of what I felt in the end with like debating online. Like I'm never going to win this. And best case scenario, I just get a little upset and annoyed and I shout at the TV later at night. Worst case scenario, I get fucking annoyed and I shout at everybody around me. It, 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 nobody becomes a better person by debating constantly online. Um, but you, you said you moved to London six years ago. Yes. And then, then what did you do in London? Because you obviously didn't didn't get a baby right away. Six years no, from now. No, what, no, what, what because happened? it's only nine months. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I moved in, uh, I, I, as I say, I, I came on a whim. I, I just had a backpack and uh, I didn't have really a plan. But at that point, I had earned a, a writing grants Uh, from for a, a fantasy novel I was writing. Yeah. So I had a little pocket of money and I was supposed to use it on uh, on uh, 
commodity uh, like uh, uh, writing teachers and stuff like that uh, and instead uh, I, I use it uh, to pay my rent in london <laughs> so yeah i'm a big fraud <laughs> <laughs> London rent is so it was it's I, I felt like it was insane when I lived there how was it six years ago um, so it was better than now but um, coming from a, a tropical paradise uh, the, the the price were looking actually all right like uh, where we come from there's a lot of money laundry and stuff like that so all all the prices are, are raised stupidly uh, so yeah, uh, for me, for example, the food in London it, it still feel really cheap. Oh really? Yeah, even six years later, I'm I'm becoming a bit more picky now. But uh, a lot of the stuff that for me are are really exotic, like uh, I don't know strawberries or raspberries and stuff like that, uh, cost nothing. Yeah, back home it would take about cost about ten euros to 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 buy a. a, a to buy just a little basket of uh, strawberries. Wow. So, yeah, it, it was like a new Eldorado, and um, and uh, and uh, I felt so free from uh, leaving my toxic relationship that uh, that I felt able to do anything. I, I moved in in a in a little flat. We were 11, uh, 11 immigrants in uh, one flat with two bus uh, two bathroom and no eating. <laughs> uh, it, it was a complete scam. Uh, it, it was a, Colo a Colombian slumlord that uh, that was running it in uh, in office space that was supposed to be office space and not flat. And that I discovered a lot later. So how, how you said how many people were living there? We we were eleven in 11 uh, in a little duplex. Like, yeah, there was uh, five rooms. Uh, yeah, five rooms, and uh, we had a bathroom upstairs, bathroom uh, downstairs. No living room, nothing. Just uh, a, a bit like living in uni. Uh, and the, the the thing is that the the rent was not cheap back then. I remember it was five hundred and twenty. Pound a month for this little uh, this little flat, but it was conveniently close to central London. And once you pay your deposit, once you do all of that, usually you don't have enough money to to move straight away. And that's how a lot of people got stuck in in this camp. We we just all uh, got uh, swallowed in the in, in in the mafia, Colombian mafia. <laughs> <laughs> The, the funny story is that the guy was actually a, a, a huge benefactor back uh, from where he come from. He was seen as a, as a, 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 he, he, he would use all the money he got from the scam in London to, to pay for church and school uh, in Colombia. So he was like a real estate Escobar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. And then how, how did you spend your time when you first got here? If you, 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 so you were supposed to be writing um, fiction. Yeah, in, in French, initially, yeah, I was supposed to write fiction in French. Um, needless to say that uh, my motivation to, to write was a bit uh, at uh, down low. So I started to uh, teach French. 
because uh, initially I have a degree, uh, I have a teacher diploma, professor diploma. So I started to teach French, and uh, that's when I discovered that actually uh, all the, the the circle of uh, French teaching are also all scam. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, when you start to see behind the curtain you realize that uh, actually uh, I come from a, 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 like a banana republic and uh, in London it's exactly the same it comes everywhere just uh, the scale is so much bigger that people don't really see it necessarily and how, how is the teaching a scam? Um, so uh, a lot of the advertising and stuff for teaching or well, you, you could pay up to 60 pound an hour for a teacher uh, they they all uh, they all advertise a credential that uh, the teacher have and stuff it's completely rubbish they, they, there's nothing most of the time the people are actually they are actually uh, either uh, foreign speaking french or uh, or just uh, just students that happen to live in london And uh, they advertise as uh, as a native French teacher with uh, with a diploma and whatnot. But you you actually had that. You had yeah, the diploma. I actually had yeah. that. So I was hired on the spot. So I had the flat and uh, and uh, and the job within two weeks when I arrived. I think it took me a week and a half. So I was really proud of myself. And so, and uh, I got hired by three different uh, agency uh, to to run across London to to give uh, lessons. And it was, it was I, I'm not going to lie, it was really great. For a year, I, I, I just was working between two to three hours a day. And the rest of the time, I would just discover London, I go read in places. And, uh, and, uh, and some of the places I worked at were, were just insane. Uh, I worked in uh, like uh, embassy uh, in, uh, in Mayfair and stuff uh, on Or, uh, uh, I worked for uh, uh, insurance, big insurance company, for petroleum company uh, in office that were just mind boggling. And uh, before that, back home, uh, I, I, I was teaching in the jungle with, uh, with uh, the equivalent of Aborigines. Uh, um, so New Caledonia is close to Papua New Guinea. So to give you an idea, uh, is, uh, it, it look, uh, in the jungle, it looks a bit similar to that. Uh, uh, to, and uh, so, yeah, it was really different. Uh, so you went from teaching in the jungle to teaching in like really expensive, mind-blowing companies yeah, yeah, in London. Like, uh, the, the, in a place that, that look like the shard uh, in Paddington, uh, like the shard in uh, in central London, but um, I, I don't actually remember which uh, specific uh, petrol company it was. But, um, and yeah, it was it was completely uh, complete culture shock, and it was amazing. Like, I was living a, a proper adventure. I was faking it all the way because when I arrived, I, I was not speaking English at all. You didn't speak at all? No, I just knew English from telly and a bit from school, but it was about it. Was about it. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the fact that I moved with all my other foreign uh, mates, uh, 
uh, all the, the guys I, I met when I arrived, is that nobody was French, so I had to speak uh, a different language. So really quickly, I started thinking in English, even if it was a really rubbish English, I, I was still, uh, I, I got out of, uh, of what you can see sometimes with uh, other foreigners that end up in a, in a ghetto of language uh, where they, they only speak their language. And you don't really have to speak English to, to actually live in England. Uh, that's true. I met a lot of people who didn't speak English at all in London, especially in, in the neighborhood I was living in. So I was living in like primarily Hasidic Jews. And even though some of them spoke English, there was a lot of them who did not and refused to acknowledge anything that wasn't that, that, that was English. Um, so when, when you were you, you got here, you got a job, you got an apartment and then you started making money. And you I, I was not making money actually <laughs> no I, so I, I I made enough money to pay the rent and to survive to uh, uh, but because I, w I wanted just to enjoy myself I, I didn't really look at, at uh, earning a lot of money uh, and uh, uh, everything was cash in hand so I started seeking to run my own scam. I started to <laughs> to tell the guy, oh, you know, if uh, if we don't pass by the agency, I, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll let you go with uh, with uh, cheaper cheaper lessons and stuff like that. Uh, and eventually, um, <laughs> eventually, uh, I, I I started to think about dating again. Yeah. So you, you ran away from a toxic relationship back home. What, what made it toxic, if I may ask? Um, so my, my ex was, uh, she was alcoholic and uh, she, uh, uh, she got PTSD from, uh, from a, a car accident. So to, to make it short, we, we were coming back home, uh, working because uh, we didn't want to drive. Uh, and we were leaving about five minutes from the bar, uh, from the bar area back home. And uh, someone, uh, uh, a, a, a lady that was drunk dr drove us over. And uh, she got uh, run by the car and, uh, and uh, she, uh, she got really traumatized by the event. Uh, uh, have you seen Dr. House? Yeah. So she had a pain in the leg that was a bit similar. She had the constant pain that was driving her mad a little bit. And, uh, and, uh, and that couple with the alcoholism, uh, she, uh, she developed symptoms of, uh, of uh, schizophrenia and, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, eventually there was no way to save myself in the relationship to stay healthy. And the more I was trying to, to help her, the more I was destroying myself. So eventually, uh, the only way to get out was to run away. <laughs> uh, but now she, she's doing really well. She, she's a really, uh, really good tattooist now. And, uh, and uh, she, she, she won the breakup. <laughs> no, not quite. I have a beautiful son, so I definitely won the breakup. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not a competition, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I'm not doing bad. I'm just saying I have a better life. I didn't win. I just won everything. Um, so, and how old were you when you got to London? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I think I was about 
26, 27, something like that. Yeah, if I backtrack it, it sounds about right. So 26, 27, you got to London, you started doing your own scam, and then you started thinking about dating again. And how did you go about doing that? Oh, dude, it was absolutely, uh, absolutely rubbish. I was really scarred by this relationship. And uh, so I was overly aggressive, uh, uh, not trusting and, and in any uh, uh, with any woman I was approaching. So uh, I... I decided to stop dating for about a year. I mean, it, it, it's not a big decision. It just came naturally. Uh, uh, I tried, uh, tried a little bit when I arrived and it was not working at all. Everything felt gross and, and was not really working for me. So I, uh, I, uh, I stopped, I dieted, I lost, uh, I don't know uh something like 30 35 kg wow um which help a lot when you want to start dating a lot again uh, uh at least confident confidence wise i felt a lot better in my boots and uh so uh, i thought oh okay cool so uh, less time uh, it's time to uh, enjoy the 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 benefits of the, this new sweet ride, <laughs> and and, um, and I went on Tinder. My one of my students was mates with uh, with the guy that had created Tinder, so he was really really at the beginning of Tinder, and he was oh mate, I tunias work on that and whatnot, and uh, I said oh, okay cool. And during the lesson, instead of uh, focusing on the lesson, he was uh, he was half checking uh, his profile on Twitter, on Tinder, and to give you an idea, he was he was the son of a uh, of a petrol uh, prince in uh, from the Emirates, and he was living alone in a gigantic mansion uh, near Hyde Park. And, and uh, all he was doing all day was uh, speak about football and uh, and uh, and uh, check Tinder. So instead instead of me teaching in French, it's him that taught me how to <laughs> how to use Tinder. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I went on Tinder and uh, and. Uh, and I, I, I was ready to date. I was ready to to have a meaningless relationship and just uh, just enjoy life. And uh, I met my wife on the first go. On the first date. Yeah, first date. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it it didn't happen as simply as that because I was so still so hurt and so uh, defensive that. Uh, Took her a lot of work and a lot of time to uh, to unwrap, uh, to uh, lower my defenses and stuff like that. But, but yeah, first girl I I, I I met on Tinder is the girl I married uh, six years later, five years later. The the girl that uh, that has the son with me today. So we are the the picture perfect uh, Tinder uh, success story. Cinderella and the Tinder Prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a real culture shock again. Uh, 
uh, I, I think already English women are really different from French women, as you can imagine. But uh, the the even more than that, uh, she was a really different person from the the person I, I dated before. Uh, and uh, it was almost so different that it, it, it didn't compute, didn't feel really real at first. How, how indifferent? How how so? Uh, she, she first of all she was really direct and she was really. Uh, uh, I was going to say brutal. Uh, she can hear me and she might hurt me. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would say blunt. Uh, and. Uh, and while my ex was really secretive, uh, uh, she came from a family where they were always scheming and, and like, even if it was to please each other, they, everything had to be embedded in secrecy. And uh, while here, everything was really frank and really front and, uh, and also uh, uh, my relationship before I had to, I had to court a lot, I had to, to, to run after uh, for years and years, it, it was a long on, ongoing relationship. While well, uh, with uh, with my wife at the moment, we 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 really uh, clicked from the get go. Uh, we we met up at a really cool pub by the Thames. Uh, in a, uh, I don't know if you know Limehouse. Yeah, yeah. Limehouse, yeah. There's a bunch of canals over there, and there's some really oldie worldy uh, pirate pubs. And uh, and uh, we ended up there, and um, and for uh, for a, a month more or less, we kept meeting up in uh, in old pubs and uh, and uh, and uh, chatting up uh, and uh, drinking together, <laughs> which became a problem after for me because suddenly it looked like patterns of uh, of uh, drunk relationship again. So uh, we had to deal. Through all of those different barriers again, and then you stopped drinking altogether, or did you just not drink as much? Or um, so there's a bunch of stuff that happened at the same time. Uh, so I have a, I have a genetic condition uh, that uh, that revealed itself. Uh, I have a, if we speak about house again, is uh, is the the one of the the disease that they always bring up. It's uh, what they call the Wilson disease. So it's a disease where you, instead of rejecting copper from uh, from food, you are actually met, uh, incorporating it in your metabolic in your metabolism. Yeah. So uh, it means that uh, you start to have sediments of copper in places in your in your brain, in your eyes, in your in your liver in particular, and. Um, Alcohol is full, full of copper, but also it's really bad for your liver. And because I had naturally a weak liver, uh, being in a relationship uh, with someone drunk, with who, uh, who, who uh, our best way to communicate was to get drunk together, uh, it really weakened my, my liver initially. And so uh, after a few drinks with my uh, now wife, uh, I ended up uh, finishing in the hospital. And, uh, wow. and I had a, a week-long hangover, and uh, and uh, I was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. So I made the decision to stop drinking altogether. And, uh, and how do you feel that affected your social life? Um, 
It's a good question. I, I don't think I don't think I ever thought about it too much because already the fact that I had to uh, to uh, to meet people in English was really different. In in French, I'm I'm really confident with my words and uh, uh, I'm someone that is going to naturally lead more the conversation while. Uh, I learned to listen a lot more in English, uh, simply because I couldn't keep up with the pace of most conversation initially. Uh, now that I think about it, it's just uh, that I have to explain why I'm not drinking. Uh, because when you start to say, oh, no, I don't drink, uh, people are like, oh, you don't drink? What's wrong with you? Are you Muslim? What's exactly. What's uh, <laughs> so. Uh, um, you are going to have the people that are trying to force you to drink. I, I think it's a bit like people that are vegan or, or uh, oh, you don't drink meat, uh, you don't eat meat, uh, not even if I give you bacon. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, uh, not even if you uh, give me beer, I'm not going to drink meat. And uh, and and uh, the easiest usually is just to explain that it's because it's, uh, it's a genetic condition, but... Uh, I wish it was simpler to just say no. I just don't drink. Yeah, <clears throat> in, De in Denmark, I uh, I lost some weight as well. I used to be quite fat, and I also lost around thirty five kilos. And while I was doing that, I wasn't drinking at all because it just fucks up your workout and it fucks up your metabolism or your yeah your metabolism. So I stopped drinking, and people had a really hard time understanding and even accepting it. It's like, do you want a beer? No, thank you. What you used to drink all the time? It's like, yeah, but now I don't. Like, what's what's wrong? Like, nothing. I just don't want to, I don't, I'm not drinking anymore. Just, a, a, a small drink? Just a, uh, a, like a, just a small drink? Or a shot? Like, no, I'm not drinking. Uh, oh, are you sick? It's no, it's not a disease. It's just a choice. Yeah, it's funny. You're, you're looked at like the one being uh, plagued when you are not drinking. Well, well, really, it's the healthiest choice. But I'm not here to uh, like uh, to make any uh, any life uh, judgments or anything, but um, it's one of those things. Uh, I think like any other life choice uh, that need to be respected. Uh. And and so you you ended up in the hospital, then you stopped drinking, and then what 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 kind of did did that do to your relationship? Um, so uh, we were really early in the relationship. I think we were three months in, and uh, and she came to see me every day at the hospital, and uh, and uh, and he did something weird because it was like a role reversal with uh, with my uh, with my ex, and I was uh, feeling really uncomfortable about that. I used to be always in charge in the relationship, always the one. Uh, I always wanted to be uh, the knight in shiny armor, the Superman that can come and so save the day. And suddenly being the one that is weak and uh, need help and need... Uh, um, he helped me open a part of my personality, but also I think uh, it, it brought up some different barriers. And uh, eventually we worked through all that and we are like... Uh, probably one of the best couple in the world now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, at the time, I, 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 I'm often amazed by the patience she had with me because I, I was such a pain in the butt at the time. I was, I was still very controlling, but in a weak and feeble way. <laughs> yeah. 
So it, it was it was important to you to be in control and to be seen as like a, a macho man with everything um, under control? So I come from a EP family, so it has never been about being the man in the relationship. Uh, in my family, we uh, everybody, uh, male, female, it, it, it didn't ever really matter. Uh, my wa- uh, my mom's best friend wa- is, a, is a drag queen. And uh, the, so I, I was lucky to, to, raise, to be raised with... Uh, with really open open view on life and uh, on gender, uh, but it, it was more a personality thing than a, 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 I think a, a gender thing. I just naturally wanted to be the the alpha of the relationship, if you want. All this kind of rubbish uh, that you develop when you're eighteen, and and. Uh, yeah, being suddenly with a woman that was earning tons more money than me, that was uh, way more settled, and uh, was uh, was really weird at first, and um, it didn't help with uh, with uh, letting her in. But eventually, it definitely helped me learning about myself and learning that actually it's okay to 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 let her in control. And uh, I know she would say that I let her too much in control. <laughs> How so? Uh, that uh, I, I'm not afraid at all to delegate now. <laughs> that uh, we are buying a house at the moment, for example, and I'm like, oh yeah, you speak better English. You should do the paperwork. <laughs> I trust you. You can sign for me. <laughs> So you you kind of you you then you felt it was okay to you were in the in the hospital bed and then you you were kind of feeling weird that weren't in control anymore but you also felt better increasingly to let her be in control and then how long did you guys date before you started talking about moving in together? Uh, a very long time actually. So uh, we I think at least uh, I, I we need confirmation, but I, I think maybe three years maybe two, three years. So because we were uh, working some odd schedule, we tended to see each other only twice a week. So you you have lived in London, so you know, uh, sometimes it can be really difficult to see someone that live uh, just half an hour from you. And uh, and so, yeah, we we started to, we we were meeting uh, after lessons, after uh, attend, to uh, to give my lesson after after uh, uh, after people had finished work, so I, I would finish work really late as well. I, and uh, because I was starting to, uh, I was trying to to have more money after we got together. I had, at that point I had three jobs. I was working as a translator and I was working in retail as well uh, to have a. a, a at least uh, one income that would be uh, stable enough to, to be sure that I could pay the rent and I could uh, live in somewhere a bit more uh, a bit more uh, suitable, at least somewhere where I could have eating, central eating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so it, it, took, it took some time for us to, to move in together. But the same way it took some time for us to, to grow into our relationship. I think 
we had a year of really uh, like touch and go, uh, uh, really aggressive, not aggressive, uh, really uh, passionate relationship, as we say in the <laughs> uh, well, uh, we would swear at each other a lot. We would, uh, and I would have really a lot of trouble with her drinking. Like I would, uh, I would make a lot of transfer from my previous relationship onto her. And did you know that at the time, or is, is that something you realized looking back at it? I think a part of me, uh, you know, at the end of the argument, you always come to reason and you say, oh, I'm sorry, it's because uh, of my ex. And so but it's an argument you can only pull so many times. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, eventually, uh, eventually we broke up. Uh, we broke up because uh, because my, my actually my ex came back in the picture and uh, and uh, she started messaging me and I was really feeling unsettled about that and at the same time uh, my my so my present wife um, was uh, was acting really jealous at the same time so it, it, I, I said oh well fuck it you know uh, I'm talking to my ex. Uh, things are still not clear uh, i need some space and uh, and uh, so we went on a break and how how long was that break before you get you guys got back together three days <laughs> three days <laughs> not even three days uh, so i went to france to see my sister on her first baby and uh, and when i came back we were back together more or less like and um, and actually it, that break allowed us to redefine our relationship uh, because suddenly we, we were able to, at least I was able to talk much more openly and we started to speak about uh, what we were really expecting from life and from a relationship. And that's when we started to speak about having a, a more open relationship, uh, having uh, a more kinky relationship as well. And, uh, that's how we uh, we started to explore the London scene uh, uh, of kink and uh, and weirdness. And how did that play into her her feeling jealous? And, and did you ever feel jealous? Um, so I think, if I'm honest, I felt more intimidated or more uh, or more uh, in a sense. Uh, we we ended up playing with couple, meeting other people and stuff. Where the guy would be a hunk, like uh, uh, old chisels uh, and uh, like an old stripper, or, and uh, and look at, like the picture perfect of what uh, the the magazine say a male body should look like. And I was more envious of the male body than really jealous per se. And eventually, when you start to realize that a lot of your jealousy is actually just ego you project on the other one, uh, it, it started to get a lot easier. Uh, I, and today, I think uh, if I had to get jealous, I would get more jealous of uh, the time uh, she spent on her phone speaking to someone or stuff like that, or not that she spent any. but. It would be the the kind of stuff that would trigger me more than actually a singer with uh, with two guys or stuff like that. 
So when you say you opened up to being more kinky and being open in general, and how, what did that look like? Was that going to parties or throwing parties or? Uh, the the three long days we were on a break, uh, I uh, one of my colleagues started to speak about uh, fat life. Uh, for uh, people that don't know, it's like a, uh, it's the Facebook version of kinky people, and. Um, so uh, and uh, FetLife was uh, was uh, listing a lot of events that were happening uh, next to where I lived. I lived near Camden at the time, and uh, and so I decided to go to one of those events. Uh, Did you go alone? Yeah, the the first time I went alone, uh, it, it felt pretty weird because uh, I felt like uh, a lot of guys that go alone to those kind of party. It's really exciting and uh, really, uh, you see, uh, you discover an alternative world with people that are that are free, uh, freer sexuality often, and uh, uh, you discover more, more gender than you thought there was. <laughs> and you, you uh, but at the same time, you are a single male in in this equation, so you're not really the most wanted uh, uh, demographic. No, and um, but I really had a great time. Like I, I really loved the the weirdness. I really loved the the the, the just the alternative. Uh, uh, you know, people get drawn to sci-fi to fantasy because it's something that takes them out of reality. And I think in uh, in this king scene, in this king world, uh, and. And at the time, it was a very light, uh, very light kink world. Uh, it felt like uh, entering a new country. It felt like discovering new horizons and stuff. And um, so, I think that's what drew, uh, drew me in uh, more than anything. And uh, and so when we went back together with my wife, uh, my new wife, we we chatted about that. We chatted about uh, uh, our own uh, our own desire, our own, uh, uh, and uh, which way we could explore stuff together. And that's what really cemented the relationship. Uh, that is what allowed us to be more honest with each other and. And me, at least, uh, allowed me to to be much more uh, uh, to allow myself to be much more vulnerable and much more uh, open. So, by opening up your relationships, your relationship sexually, you also felt like you you had to, or there was it just something that happened, but open up more emotionally as well. I think the the the, the sexually opening happened because we started to open more. Uh, because I started to open more uh, emotionally as well. I think it, it really came and in and and it's not something that happened with a magic wand and uh, from one day to another you are suddenly a, a swinger couple or a kinky couple or anything. Uh, it's something that takes time and uh, need to be nurtured and uh, and. Uh, it's, uh, it's hours of conversation, hours of uh, discussion, sharing, and stuff. But I'm really lucky that my wife is uh, is 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 the, the 
the the best friend you would want to share this kind of events like uh, this kind of, of discovery oh look at that person over there oh yes and, uh, gossip 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 and then we <laughs> and uh, so uh, we discover a lot of complicity in this world because suddenly it was uh, us two together discovering this big world and uh, it created the uh, i think a form of uh, a form of uh, unity uh, form uh, unity unity uh, between us uh, a bond definitely uh, that helped us to uh, to go further and to uh, discover more and more uh, it, it was not always simple honestly uh, uh, what has been some of the challenges about being in an open relationship um uh, the the uh, for me the first big one was uh, condoms. I've never been really responsible with condom before that, and uh, and uh, it's something that uh, uh, that is ac uh, absolutely uh, absolutely necessary when you start to open your relationship and uh, and. Uh, 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 my problem is that uh, I, I, I couldn't get erection with condom for very long, and so I, 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 that was a big, big challenge at, at first. Uh, I would I would go with uh, with couple where the, I remember one of the first couple that they they, they brought us to their place. Uh, it was amazing. They had uh, they had the smoke machine. They had the laser. They had snake in the house. The the lady was a, a snake dancer. And uh, and she she was like Salma Hayek in uh, <laughs> in uh, what's what's the the movie the Tarantino movie. Uh, but I couldn't lift it up. Uh, no matter how beautiful she was, uh, as soon as the the condom was coming close to me, I, I would completely lose any erection. Uh, and uh, and we, but we still had a great time. Honestly, uh, uh, I think it would have been a better time with an erection. <laughs> but, uh, in the, uh, after a few uh, trial and errors, I eventually uh, started to take um, a cocktail of herbs that uh, that help you to uh, to have uh, hard on. Uh, it's like a, 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 a vegetable Viagra. <laughs> mm. And because you're also doing all this not drinking. Yeah, exactly. So that's that was one of the things. Like uh, having a little bit of social lubricant help a lot when you you start to to get steamy with uh, other other people, uh, and uh, but eventually I got really high on on uh, on the the passion the 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 fun that people could have together and uh, uh, and. If, if uh, you could say that alcohol is a vice, so like uh, the, the, this party life become my, my vice. And it was where I was lo uh, losing sense of time, losing sense of self. And, uh, and So it became too much, it became too much for you. Oh no no no! It became exactly enough. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was fulfilling a lot of craving uh, of uh, escape, uh, escaping, and uh, that I was looking for. 
And uh, once I passed the the the, what do you say? the shame of not being able to have hardon without uh, without without pills, uh, I started to really enjoy myself, and I even started to to speak about it a lot more as well. Because at first I didn't want people to know that I was taking pills, and uh, eventually I was like, well. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I took a pill, so I might get out really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and and how do how do you feel like that was received in the in the kink scene that you were open about you taking help to get to get erection? Uh, most of the time, people will just want to take advantage of you. <laughs> 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 most of the time, they're like, "Oh, you took a pill. Okay, so I'm going to make you work for it." <laughs> uh, I think. Um, I think people want to feel desired, and an erection is not the only way to to make them feel desired. And uh, yeah, usually uh, uh, people would crave different uh, approach to to feel uh, wanted. So did, did did you mainly go to parties with your wife, or was it mostly alone, or did you go to parties alone as well? Or how was your dynamic? So we. Uh, uh, we quickly went in a mode of uh, us against the rest of the world. Uh, our, our mental at the beginning was that, okay, cool. So let's use everything that the world has to offer as a, as a big global sex toy. Uh, uh, let's use a party. Let's use all of that just to, just to have fun in our couple. It was just, just it was just the spice of life uh, in a way. The, the the way to 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 make us feel uh, more uh, more close to each other and also. Uh, uh, so at, at the beginning, I think it was really uh, it was really us together at the unit discovering the others. And eventually, we became a bit loser with that. But still, uh, today we we would uh, we would not party without each other. I think. So does that mean, like, you wouldn't go to different parties, or does it mean you wouldn't do anything unless the person was in the same room, or can it be in the same house, or exactly what did that look like for you guys? So. Um, pretty much the idea is uh, at the moment and. Uh, a big thing for us is uh, freedom. is a big uh, is a big uh, it's a big lubricant for us. Uh, the idea that we feel free to to do what we want, free to talk about it to each other, but still we would we would uh, we would go to party together. We would go to uh, to to stuff. To, uh, yeah. But, the, but we would not. Uh, we would always play at the same time, not necessarily with each other, or not necessarily in the same room, or not necessarily. Like there, there was not really a time, uh, maybe once, where we would uh, we would go uh, would go and someone would uh, enjoy themselves and the other one would take it for the team. <laughs> we would always be uh, playing, fooling around, and uh, uh, and. Uh, regularly checking on each other to see if everything is okay so it's very much based as you guys one entity entity or one thing but you also play a little separately and then let's say you wanted to go home you weren't having fun would you then expect for sophie to go home with you yeah definitely uh so 
initially it was a bit more focused on the two of us and eventually we became more free as individual and also more confident in each other love and more confident in each other relationship so we loosen up the boundaries a little bit but initially uh, we would be uh, we would be uh, that couple in an orgy that hold hands <laughs> and look at each other and keep checking on each other and eventually uh, we would be at separate ends of the room uh, playing with uh, different people <laughs> uh, yeah when you say you opened up is that purely sexually or is it also emotionally? Do you guys consider yourself being polyamorous? I, I don't think so. I think I'm very much in love with my wife and with my uh, wife only. I have a lot of love for a lot of other people. I have uh, some people I would call lovers and stuff like that, but it would never never be near 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 anything like uh, the relationship I, I, I have with my wife. Also, uh, I think even at the time we were really, really um, active, we would we would still uh, not play uh, constantly. Uh, I, I know I've met some couple that would uh, that would go to orgies uh, three times, four times, five times a week. Uh, we have always been a, a lot more lazy. <laughs> And uh, uh, the the focus is us, and uh, every so often we need uh, this uh, this adult kinship, this uh, this relationship with other open people to feel better, uh, to f uh, and to connect with others. Personally, I, I don't I I do understand people who are polyamorous. I think the only problem with polyamory is finding time enough to make your partners feel loved and appreciated. I I don't think there's a limit on how many people you can love. But I think there's a limit on how much time you have to love those people. Exactly. And that's the part where uh, I think we drew, not a line, but we we came to an understanding of, uh, yeah, I, I don't want ever my wife to be feeling like uh, while I'm having fun, uh, fucking so-and-so, uh, uh, she's at home all by herself. Uh. So what happened when she got? I know we're jumping a bit in time, yeah, but yeah, what no happened problem. then when when she got pregnant? Then did you did you reel back from the party scene, or did you did your dynamics change? I think as a couple, most of our friends are in the scene. Uh, uh, most of the people we we that share our life were in the scene. But as Sophie was getting more and more pregnant and more pregnant and more pregnant, uh, we uh, not necessarily back off from the scene. We would still communicate and uh, and uh, and uh, chat with our friend because they are our friend first of all, and uh, then there is the, some uh, added advantage. I don't want to say benefits because benefits sounds a, a bit uh, a bit uh, financial, <laughs> a bit uh, monetary based. Uh, uh, we uh, so we start we continue to to go to to party, but we would stay for the social part. And then when stuff were getting a bit too steamy, uh, we would uh, we would see ourselves out slowly. Uh, I think that's. Yeah, it's one uh, in one of those occasions I see you last. Maybe I don't know if I, I'm allowed to say that actually. 
<laughs> yeah, you can say whatever you want. Okay, cool. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, no, we 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 really started to s- slowly unplug and uh, just go less to party and uh, or just go for the social bit because uh, people don't realize often they ju- uh, uh, at least for us there's a, a massive social elements in the in all those uh, those events. Uh, the occasion to meet cool people like you, to make, to meet, uh, to discover new experiences and new, uh, a new way to to work in the in the social scene, and it's something even if we were not uh, on the scene, something that we were definitely missing when uh, the pregnancy was uh, starting to to be more and more apparent. Um, but we made the decision to not uh, to not play with uh, to, to not play with other people at that time simply for um, because of the 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 risk of uh, uh, STD and stuff like that. Uh, no amount of fun uh, for me would uh, would justify. Uh, uh, Taking a risk to to arm the baby at the point, so uh, we just decided to 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 be a bit uh, to take uh, to take it slower. And um, at one or two occasions, uh, my wife uh, let me uh, go out by myself and uh, and uh, go uh, see my friend and stuff. But I would still say for the more social part, I would say. Uh, I, I I kissed other people, I I, I touched other people, but not nothing uh, too sexual, more uh, on the flirtatious side. But yeah. And 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 how are you guys feeling? Are you guys feeling that you're missing? Have you guys been missing out on that? You guys feel since she gave birth, and it, so you've you've had your your beautiful son now for for nine months. Yeah. And obviously that's been. Doing this whole Corona lockdown yeah, it's, thing. it's literally uh, we had uh, we had my son on the the the, the day of uh, the the lockdown, the beginning of the lockdown, and so uh, at first. Just before we just before we move on, was he planned or was it because you don't like to use condoms? Oh no no no! It was definitely planned. It was planned, but he he was he didn't necessarily arrive. He arrived faster than we were expecting. Okay. We were like, oh, okay, so let's now try to have babies, and uh, uh, it, it, we have all seen sitcoms where the 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 guy uh, start to stress out because uh, we enter a loop of uh, of uh, oh, I'm menstruating now. I'm uh, I'm, oh, I'm uh, not menstruating. It's not really helpful. <laughs> I'm ovulating now. Uh, uh, we need to have sex, and so uh, so it become really mechanic and for. For for me, it was not really working uh, that uh, that kind of uh, regimented uh, sexuality, and so we we relaxed a bit and started to 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 open up a bit more, and uh, and eventually uh, she got pregnant. It took us about six months uh, in total to. Uh, but, um, yeah, she announced me that she was pregnant uh, the week we moved into our new flat, into our new job. <laughs> So there was a lot to take in at the same time, but all for the best, really. And so she got pregnant, and then nine months ago, the day of the lockdown, your beautiful boy arrived. And how how is that? One, how is that 
how I'm, I'm trying to divide my questions up, but I think I'm just going to go with it. Did, did you guys feel like you then had to step even further away from the scene? If it, if it hadn't been from the lockdown, would you have gotten back? I think uh, without the lockdown, we would have been back uh, 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 at least a few months ago. It would not have happened straight away because uh, because of the biology, because my wife was breastfeeding, because again, uh, we don't want to to communicate any disease or STD or anything to, to the baby. Um, and, uh, and honestly, uh, the... the both of our sexuality were going through higher and lower at that point. So in terms of libido, in terms of, so we we uh, we, we waited, uh, we waited, and uh, and each time we were ready to go back in the scene. Uh, the, the the we were entering a new tier of lockdown, a new uh, <laughs> a new uh, yeah freedom nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, and you you say it it affected your libido after she gave birth. How how was that? Um, so that's why it become complicated because uh, there is stuff that in my brain are not clear if they are due to the pregnancy, uh, due to the birth, or due to the lockdown. There is a lot of stuff where I'm I'm like, oh, am I really tired and exhausted because I have a baby, or because I'm uh, forced to to be stuck at home all the time? With a baby, and I think for me it was more the the fact that we were we were stuck in this uh, in, in this golden cage that affected my libido more than anything. So being not being able to go out made you yeah, just less... not being able to to. To speak to other people, uh, not being able to, not have any kinship, uh, have a rhythm of life that is uh, that is really apathetic. Or it's like uh, you wake up, you go to work, you come back, you take care of the baby, you go to sleep at uh, at half seven because you're dead, and uh, rinse and repeat. Uh, and during that period, we both went through high and low in the in in the libido. But for me, for a long time, the the Despite still feeling like uh, my wife was really attractive and really, uh, um, and uh, we were still having a lot of complicity, uh, a lot of uh, touching each other, and uh, but like kissing, holding hands, and but I, I was not as open to uh, sexuality. Uh, and really, I, I wouldn't be able to, to tell you if it was because of the lockdown or because of the baby at that stage. There's some, uh, the, the, some modalities that are a bit blurred. I think a lot of people are feeling a decrease in the libido during these times. And, and I also think what singles who's not able to go out and date, mingle and find partners for one or the other purpose. But I think what they're missing out on the most is not necessarily sex, but someone to cuddle with. Yeah, uh, luckily we are. Uh, uh, so uh, the baby t uh, kept us really busy during the, the during the lockdown. And si silver lining of being stuck at home is that I got to to have a massive uh, paternity uh, paternity leave instead of just the stupid two weeks we're supposed to have. I ended up, uh, I think, right now it's about I had uh, about four months, uh, four months of. Uh, 
of paternity leave on and off, which is com so amazing. It allowed me to really connect with my son and also connect with my uh, my wife, having more uh, time where we are both rested at the same time together, where we can uh, can speak about what's happening in our life, where we can speak about uh, where we want to go now. And uh, yeah, did you? While Sophie was pregnant, did you ever feel jealous about her being able to be pregnant and you not being able to be that? Oh, definitely. And uh, also when she was breastfeeding, this moment where I was feeling like, hey, uh, it's unfair that I, I don't get to 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 be that with my son as well. Because uh, um, I, 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 get, I get jealous whenever Amelia says, oh, she's kicking. Want to feel? I'm like, yeah, I want to feel, but I want to feel it in my body. I want to I wanna know what it's like to create <laughs> life inside of you. Yeah, uh, so I was definitely at the same. Uh, I was definitely feeling the same as you until uh, until the last semester, where, where my wife became really, really horny, and the the, the, <laughs> the each time she would climb on me or the, the baby would kick me at the same time, and I would not feel <laughs> as keen anymore. Uh, that that was a fun time. Uh, actually, uh, something I have not talk, told you uh, yet, I think, is that um, one of our friends that, that we met on the scene uh, is a midwife. And uh, she, we were planning on her coming to live with us a little bit. So she, she would help us with the first months of uh, the first months of the, uh, the, 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 the birth. And, help us having a, a mini support bubble at least. Um, uh, so that was all, all, all of that happened pre-corona. And uh, uh, she, so she, she's Canadian. Uh, and uh, so she came just for us. She, she's like an amazing person. And, uh, and, and uh, she dedicated a lot of time to just spend with us. Yeah, taken two, two months holiday just to be with us and help us deal wow. with the baby. and and. Uh, but it all went away because uh, because uh, the the she was not allowed on the bursting room, for example. She was uh, uh, she, she ended up being stuck with uh, two parents and a young baby uh, at home, not being able to go out and go see her friends and, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, she used to live in London. Sorry. And so she came back uh, to see us, but she she was forced to be just with us, and uh, we we felt a bit guilty about uh, about that. About uh, yeah, uh, felt a bit like we were jailers. <laughs> but, um, that that was a weird time as well because uh, uh, so my wife gave birth on the due date. But a week before, the girls were like, "Oh, you know, Pablo, uh, the 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 the, uh, you know that sex uh, helps starting the the birth and stuff." Uh, and uh, I, I I didn't find it funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a machine gun, damn it. They were both trying to lure me into their their, their scheming plans, and I was not keen at all. Uh, and the main reason for that is because my father told me that uh, he started the he started the the, the birth uh, by having sex with my mom, and uh, he would always make jokes about it. So when the moment happened, I was like, "No, I'm not, I, I'm sorry, girls. I, I just can't. 
I'm going to 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 <laughs> go in another room. And so that that presented a different type of challenge as well because suddenly we are we had a person that was living with us. Uh, that was uh, one of our really, really close friends with whom we had many sexual adventures and uh, and uh, it was both a, a sexual partner of me and my wife. And but so, uh, being, trying to to stay in a relationship with a, well, it's strictly, uh, strictly platonic was really difficult. It, it was not strictly platonic in the sense that we would still touch each other, we'd still uh, cuddle up and uh, stuff like that. But, but uh, yeah, uh, blocking the sexuality on, on, on this part was, was uh, weird. <laughs> it didn't feel really natural. It didn't feel really... Uh, um, it didn't feel like it was uh, the 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 relationship we were supposed to have all together. And how how did that come to, come to show? Um, uh, my Canadian friend is she's a wonderful EP. Uh, she's totally open. She has absolutely no boundaries, and she would be like, "Oh, uh, while we are waiting for my wife doing uh, stuff in a." Uh, in the hospital, uh, because uh, just uh, doing like the va first vaccine and stuff like that, uh, because of Corona, we would not be allowed to go with her. And so she would be like, hey, do you want a blowjob? Uh, no, <laughs> it's really nice, thank you. <laughs> but but it, 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 I'm not sure that uh, it, it would be uh, well received on uh, on uh, on the other end. <laughs> no, <laughs> if, if I, I think that was a good, I think that was a good comment. Yeah, I didn't get any props for it. <laughs> <laughs> I want my diploma. <laughs> Where's my medal? <laughs> I, I, I refused the parking lot, brother, but I think he... <laughs> and um, all I got was a baby boy? <laughs> Jesus. I know, right? <laughs> uh, that, was, that, that was really funny and... Uh, and yeah, we, we will definitely make up for that time. <laughs> um, so you have now had your boy for nine months. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. as a, when we talked about you, you and me talking about this, you and I, you and me talking about this, we kind of joked around with the word daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and like you having been on the kink scene, is there, do you, would you be able to have your child call you daddy in the same way that? Young women have called you daddy. I, I think, first of all, because I'm a foreigner, daddy for me is really a, 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 a king-related word. It's not really, it's not really anything that means anything else than in that world. So I think naturally my 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 son is going to probably call me more papa. He's already trying, <laughs> but I think the the uh, daddy is reserved for a mother. For his mother, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she can call me daddy. Our friend can call me daddy. But for him, I'm papa. <laughs> and so you said you were, you guys were buying a house? Yeah, we we are. So um, amongst all my uh, my adventures, uh, I decided to uh, to invest some money in uh, in uh, in uh, what do you call that? In uh, in shares and. Uh, 
I speculate with some money and I got really lucky. And uh, so I, 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 I earned a, a bunch of money that allowed us secure deposit for us. Oh, that's amazing. Well done. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, we are supposed to move uh, first uh, first trimester next next month at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and uh, we can't wait because this house was not designed for us two plus a baby. So there is a lot of logistic uh, logistic com complication. Uh, like I was telling you before we started the podcast, uh, we had to move a bunch of stuff to make sure that I could talk to you and, uh, and not wake up the baby every five minutes. Uh, uh, to we uh, we change room often. <laughs> Because uh, the house is like a long, uh, the house that we have at the moment is like a long corridor with room attached to one another. And so uh, if the baby is sleeping in one room, it's, it's locking all the rest of the room in the house for, for everybody else. So, for example, tonight is going to leave, uh, to sleep in our bedroom, which means that we can't access uh, the shower, we can't access the toilets and stuff. Um, and it would have been okay if we were not uh, if we were not suddenly having to work from home or uh, so uh, you need to start to juggle with uh, being in a in a small space with uh, a baby that just want to explore the house and uh, and uh, coming from a tropical uh, from a tropical country I I I, I don't really know how to deal with a kid and with the winter at the same time <laughs> it, it doesn't really compute during the summer it was really easy hey come i, I dropped you on the grass in a park and uh, we stay here for an hour while i listen to a podcast um now it doesn't really work that way and i'm a bit confused by uh, the right amount of uh, of jacket i need to put on him <laughs> and, when, when we started the podcast, you mentioned the term the perfect dad. Um, what is the perfect dad in your eyes? Oh, I think the perfect dad is dad that is here, I think. Someone who's present. Yeah, I think someone that is present, but not present. <laughs> someone, I think... It, a perfect dad is like the perfect, the perfect, uh, the perfect boyfriend or the perfect wife. I think it's... Uh, the perfect dad for one person is not the perfect dad for another, and uh, and so when we when we had the baby, we decided to not uh, not know what gender the baby would be until the birth, so we would not project too much into uh, oh okay cool it's going to be. Uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu uh, champion, or <laughs> um, but in the end, you still project. Like uh, from the moment you know if it's a boy or a girl, you still uh, you still transfer a lot of emotion to him. And for me, I, I was really lucky. My parents were at the same time amazing at it, and at the same time uh, terrible. <laughs> uh, so it's the uh, props of uh, living with EPs is that uh, you, 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 uh, I got introduced to a lot of cool stuff really early on in terms of music, in terms of uh, literature. Inter 
but at the same time, uh, there's moments where I would have liked more uh, presence from my parents. I would have liked them to party less and be more, uh, more uh, close to me. And uh, my mom came from, uh, so both my parents are, are, are refugee. Uh, so uh, f- from different worlds, my mom is Spanish and my father is Algerian. And they both had the various degree of, of, uh, of difficult childhood. And uh, some of those trauma automatically transpire. And uh, I think a, a, a perfect dad is a, is a dad that is here for his son and don't take too much of those trauma onto him. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Um, when you see yourself in, in 10 years, what kind of father are you looking at? Like now, now you obviously know the gender of your child because he's alive. He's yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah. It's not a secret anymore. So you can start reading into, I know he's going to be X, Y, and C. But what kind of person do you, self, do you see yourself being in 10 years that you aren't now? Uh, we are discovering his personality more and more every day. And I think uh, each time uh, a new facet of his personality appears, that, that picture changes a little bit. Um, what what we want is uh, to be able to travel a lot with him. Uh, we want... When I was a teacher, we, we used to say between teachers that some kids were not, uh, they were not raised, they were not uh, raised by their parents. They, they, they were just fed and they were raising themselves. And so I want, I want to feed my kid, but I also want to feed him with adventure and with, um, with uh, panoramas, with, uh, uh, with uh, different culture. I want, I want uh, in 10 years, I want to be traveling with my kid and I want to be traveling with him for 10 more years. Even if it's once a year, even if it's, uh, 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 we want to, to be able to, yeah, discover the world. Uh, coming from uh, uh, my parents being uh, immigrant, refugee, me being an immigrant here uh, during uh, a more or less civil war back home and uh, uh, the, I think For, for me, the notion of of uh, frontier is really uh, is really something I have trouble to grasp. For me, uh, the, the the world should just be open and it should be all the opposite of what Brexit is happening uh, <laughs> at the moment. And uh, I, I, and I want to to give my son the the feeling that is be uh, that is belonging to something bigger than a country. I personally feel that every time I've traveled to a new place and lived there for more than half a year, I've become a better and more a bigger and more open person. And I think the majority of racism and just bigotry and like just pettiness stems from not having traveled. And obviously not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to travel, like either financially or health-wise or um, systemic. But I do think that I know that my goal is also to travel a lot with my well, Amelia and I know that we're having a having a daughter, so we I am I'm already reading stuff into it. Uh, you you conceive your what did you conceive your daughter in Mexico? In Mexico, though. that's amazing. And where are you? Uh, I don't know if I can ask you where are you now. Of course, we're in Denmark now. Yeah, in Denmark. 
so already uh, that's a lot of stuff to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah and and places to go back and and see when our our girl is a bit older but i i definitely i'm a, i'm on board with you there that i want to go traveling because i do feel like it makes us better people and it's really it's really difficult to hate people when you consider them your neighbor but when you don't consider people your friends or your potential neighbors it's difficult to feel with them and feel for them so with the with the corona pandemic when it was really bad in new york i felt for all my friends in new york like i felt with them and for them i wouldn't have been able to have that that sense of feeling or connection with them if i had not lived there yeah, yeah i completely agree with you on uh, uh at the beginning of my life uh, so i had a little sister when i was about 8 and uh, we we stopped traveling as much as we used to. Uh, also, uh, the regulation uh, about uh, traveling changed a little bit in the Pacific, which meant that we couldn't travel uh, for as cheap as we were doing it at, at some point. But before that, we were we would be at least doing a, a, a massive trip every two years with my parents we would go to bali we would go to marrakesh we would go to and all those places i went to as a kid with my parents uh, i felt the need to explore again as an adult and and uh, the joy of revisiting your memories like that your childhood memories uh, as much as uh, as a new episode of Star Wars can, can do it, uh, it really, uh, it, it really made it made me so happy. And 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 showing that part of me to to my wife was also amazing. Show, uh, going to Marrakesh with her, going to going back home with her as well, and uh, uh, it's something that I want to do with my son. It's something that I want to share with him as well. Uh, and then the rest, I don't really care. Like uh, the uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, as I was going to say, as long as you're not an accountant, but there's nothing wrong with being an accountant. I really love math. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I want to offer him the opportunity to to choose his own path because it's something that uh, not really because of my parents, but because I was really serious little boy. I thought that. Uh, life I had to go a certain way i thought i needed to do a scientific degree and i needed to 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 have a a, a proper life there was something really based into some sort of social hierarchy at uh, that you that transpire from um, from uh, the, the 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 education system uh, that that made me miss out uh, on uh, on some experience because I thought they were not uh, not valid choice and I want my son to to know that there's only valid choices yeah okay as the as the last thing before we we say goodnight to each other yeah what is the best advice you can give me oh I wish we had spoken a bit more about uh, the baby <laughs> Uh, because there is a lot of things to say. I, I would say one thing is that uh, uh, everything you are going to go through in the in the next following months are, are phases after phases after phases. Like enjoy every single one of them because you never know for how long it's going to last. And 
I was saying to you, maybe the nappy you are doing on that day is the last nappy you will ever do. You don't know that. Uh, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just constantly changing. What you think is working today is not going to work tomorrow. And it can be a bit unsettling. It can be a bit, uh, a bit worrying at times. But just enjoy the ride. And also, uh, don't listen too much to other parents. <laughs> I know it's a bit ironic to say that, but uh, there's like some sort of, of weird contest between parents where they are always like, oh, um, oh, you think now is bad? Wait until blah, or wait until that, and wait until that, and now and then it will be really bad. <laughs> uh, just just enjoy the just enjoy the show. Uh, Call me if you have any question. I'm always happy to talk about baby. I'm a bit too happy to talk about baby all the time. <laughs> so it's probably not as healthy as it should be. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, uh, I think as you're in Denmark, one one thing that is going to be amazing for you is that uh, you are going to have a a a, a, a little support bubble. Uh, or I think it's what I understood. And uh, and uh, that's really important, I think. I think the 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 idea that we can raise chil uh, children just uh, as two person is uh, is is really stupid. <laughs> you know, they say it takes a village to to raise a child, and that's very true. The, the it's only been the thirty last year of uh, mankind that we we started to think that. Uh, two people would be enough to raise one human being or more than one. And actually, you'll do a lot better job, a much better job, sorry, uh, if you if you reach out and ask for help from, uh, from your family from uh, to catch a break so you can go back to your son more rested, more, more, more available. And, uh, and I would really recommend you to use all the opportunity you have to to catch a break and to uh, involve other other people in your in your parenting. So, so just to sum it up, your very yeah, best yeah. advice is to not listen too much to other parents. Yeah, and <laughs> take all the help I can get and enjoy the moments. Yeah, take all the help you can get from your parents, but don't listen to them too much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's a fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I thank you for the advice. And I know we didn't talk a lot about your, your boy now, but I think that in, in 51 days, if everything goes to plan, I'm going to have my own baby. So I think Ooh, in that, in that nice. time, I will, I will have better questions and a better, and a better understanding of what you're going through. Do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl? So we had our first scan because so we were living in Mexico and we didn't want to go to the doctor in Mexico during the pandemic. We moved to Denmark and in Denmark you had to be registered as with a, like a social security number, and we couldn't get that for uh, for a long time. So we we went to a private clinic and had the first scan, and she she, she said, "I I can see the gender now. Do you want to know?" And we agreed upon that appointment with her that we didn't want to know but she said i can write it in an envelope and you guys can bring the envelope and you can open it if you wanted like, yeah that's a great idea we, you, she wrote it down on a piece of paper i put it in my pocket and we drove to our parents to show the the prints of the baby scan my parents lives I don't, I don't know like 15 minutes away from the clinic 
And after us having been with my parents for three minutes, I pulled out the envelope. We have to, we have to know right now. So we, <laughs> oh, I, I waited 17 minutes, 18 minutes max. And then we found out that we're going to have a little girl. Oh, amazing. Uh, everything is amazing anyway. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, that's, yeah. that's grand. So uh, I think in, uh, in 50 plus days, um, we should have a conversation again. Yeah, definitely. Then... Let's speak about your little girl. Yes, and compare it to your little boy and see what, what the future brings us. I want to thank awesome. you very much for taking the time to talk to me, and it's been really interesting. And I think you've had a, a crazy life, but also very interesting. And I'm looking thanks forward to Thanks for inviting me, and thanks for being such an open, smiley person each time I, I, I get to see you.